Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen posts on Tumblr, joined with Kama. Hi, um, I'm Kama, Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky, and I am at the Chikrin on Twitter. Uh, Guile. Hi, I'm Guile, and I tweet at Door Podcast. And returning guest, Devin. Hi, this is Devin GD Harpo on Twitter and Tumblr. Awesome. Welcome back, everybody, from the holidays. Hope it went okay for everyone. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a mixed bag. (laughs) We're all alive. Sounds like the holidays. (laughs) Anyone get any uh, good show-related memorabilia? Because we all love getting that for Christmas, right? (laughs) I don't know if that happens to you. I didn't get any this year, but usually I get something. I usually do, too, and I didn't. Last year, I got the... uh... The knockoff Lego version of the um, Joffrey on the throne. Did you guys see that? (laughs) What? They did. It's not really Legos. It's like this sort of knockoff thing. They have like like the um, (laughs) like no, they're like um. It would be it would have been easier to put together if it had been real Legos. But it was like a Game of Thrones the throne room set. Hmm. So there's like the platform. It's really cool. Um, Kyle's intrigued. I will put a picture of it up on our Tumblr, maybe. Um, It was just a bitch to put together. But that was last year. I bought myself an unofficial calendar of filming locations because I knew it would have a lot of Iceland (laughs) in it. Oh, that's sweet. (laughs) I think, yeah, it's like the first year I didn't get anything. Like, I think last year, like, one of my siblings got me the, um, it's like these little dolls and it was like Danny John oh, <laughs> and Tyrion <no. laughs> like you don't the know me at all <laughs> the big three I got myself an Arya Funko Pop but that's Aww, nice. that's cute. <laughs> her needle oh cute there we go so okay um just a heads up for anybody listening for the first time uh we do spoil everything on this podcast um, so anything in the A Song of Ice and Fire universe and possibly the Game of Thrones television show. Um, we are covering Tyrion 5 from A Clash of Kings for this episode. And we open the chapter. Oh, wait, you know what? I did <laughs> I did the last time or meanwhile. So between the last time we um, covered a Tyrion chapter, this is what has been happening. Uh, Dantos and Sansa meet in the godswood. He promises to get her out of the castle. Arya reveals to Gendry her true identity and rest in peace, Lamy. That's all I have. This is not that many <laughs> chapters. <laughs> <I'm> pretty short. <laughs> so we open this chapter with a well bundled Tyrion exploring the cold cellar vaults that house the many clay um, balls of wildfire. And I don't know, it seems like a quite a brilliant move, right? Having like a bunch of octogenarian alchemists managing, you know, a basement full of nitro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, is it any worse than having a septuagenarian with a big button? <laughs> oh, you went there. Oh, beautiful. Someone needed to. 
Zing! <laughs> uh, see, so there's this bit about the stockpile under the sept too that I did not remember, um, and that they um, reveals that it had been removed. I Can I know. go on a rant? Or yes, absolutely. You, or do you need to keep going? Guile, the floor is yours. So this is something in fandom that pisses me off so much is this idea that, well, Jamie didn't tell everyone about the stash of wildfire under King's Landing. And so therefore everything that happens from this point is his fault. And it's like, everyone fucking knew there's wildfire under King's Landing. The whole secret he's keeping is that Ares was going to like blow it up. It's yeah. not like it's a big fucking surprise to everyone that there's wildfire under the city. Like, this is literally what these people do. Their problem is they're short-staffed because Jamie killed the people. <laughs> yeah, well, and I always say, like, as you see Tyrion learning here, like, Jamie probably does not understand the volatility. Or he would not have, like, the people he loves most living on top of the hidden little pockets of the ship. Well, and he probably I mean. doesn't know where everything fucking thing is it's no, not he like, doesn't like, he doesn't obviously he doesn't no one does that's right. the point he's like 100 percent not responsible for the eventual destruction of king's landing no i don't i don't know what could have been done i mean they know that there are hidden pockets they already right. know that there's hidden stuff and he's not any more likely to know where it is than anyone else is yeah so i just i hate like you know what I will accept that Jamie threw Bran out a window and that he had sex with his sister. <laughs> but some of the other shit people try to pin on him, like, God, you're reaching. Just say you don't like him because he's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, to give you a, a, a clear picture of uh, the amount of wildfire that we're talking about, the pyromancer Helene tells Tyrion that they have 7,840 jars of wildfire, 4,000 of them that are fickle, and they're older jars from King Aerys's day, and he's confident that they can have 10,000 jars ready for battle. And uh, Tyrion wonders if he should be delighted or terrified. I think terrified is the correct answer. Yeah. <laughs> Helene informs Tyrion that each um, cell is safeguarded with a protective spell triggered by fire. The floor falls away below and sand falls to smother the flames. Well, we're all familiar with that. Yeah, I, my thought immediately went to RPG. <laughs> is that what you were talking about? <laughs> yes. Okay, okay, I don't know. <laughs> I'm the one who pulled that trigger on yeah. that episode, so yeah. yes. And I'm the one who died. Spoiler alert! <laughs> You didn't say you were going to spoil RPG. <laughs> Shit. You bastard, you didn't warn about that. I'm well, writing an angry iTunes review. Totally justified. You should have been caught up by now. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done one of those in like a year. <laughs> so, see, Tyrion figures out that the spell is actually a clever engineering trick, and uh, he thinks he'd like to inspect that when the war is done. Helene cautions Tyrion each pyromancer respects the power of the substance and any little mistake is catastrophic. And he tells Tyrion, be very, very, very careful. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, thanks for the advice. Before he leaves, Tyrion orders a few thousand empty clay jars. Helene is a bit surprised by their quest, but promises to deliver. On their way back up out of the cells, he tries to sway Tyrion to set up a meeting with King Joffrey. He has so many wonderful tricks to show the king. And Tyrion is not too keen on that idea, you know, introducing Joffrey to the wonderful, <laughs> inventful ways and uses of wildfire. 
probably wise. Ugh, like how many animals would he have fed wildfire to? Oh Jesus. <laughs> Yeah. You know what's weird here? I feel like George kind of dropped the ball on the whole alchemist guild when he was writing the World of Ice and Fire. Cause, like, I actually went and checked after I read this chapter. Cause, like, in this chapter, it says that they were like almost as powerful as the maesters at one point, and yet there's like hardly anything about them in the World of Ice mm-hmm. and Fire, which I realize was written by a maester supposedly, right. but still, mm-hmm. even still, if you if they'd been fighting them, you'd think that would be mentioned. Even if they had like, like a, a smear campaign. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The alchemist who bathe in blood. <laughs> Seems to be like the standard, like, put down in Westeros is that they must, well, they must bathe in blood. Yeah. But, like, it, it's interesting because, like, unlike some of these other things, I mean, clearly these guys get married. This is not, like, a religious type order, like, you know, the, you know, Faith of the Seven or the Maesters. Do you think it's a fan? It sounds like it's a family business, too, because, like, didn't the one say... Okay. His dad was telling Ares, and his granddad was telling Jaharis. Like it's sort of like morticians. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like any tradespeople. It's a lot of nepotism, right? <laughs> I guess. Although, if you consider that Jamie must have killed all the like upper management ones, it's interesting that this guy's even alive. I don't know. But I mean, you know, room for advancement. <laughs> <laughs> you want more Helene's backstory? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <Yeah. laughs> Okay, let's see. So up in the streets, um, Tyrion bids the pyromancer farewell and is escorted back through the streets by his burned men guards and Timot. The common folk are starving um, in the city and Joffrey only three days prior to this had shot and killed four people outside the Red Keep. The mob had been chanting for food. Jesus. What a guy. And isn't like the worst part is he told them that they could eat the corpse of the people that he killed? Yeah. yeah, instead of let them eat oh. cake, he's like, let them eat their dead. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. And he's like a 13-year-old. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> in some... No. Never mind. <laughs> no, what? What? I was gonna say, in some respects, I mean, part of the reason Joffrey's so damn scary is because he's not only got, uh, shall we say, issues, but he's also a 13-year-old boy. Mm. Not that, you know, any of the ones of my acquaintance would be recommending eating corpses, but it's that sort of <laughs> lack of um, any kind of lack of judgment. You know, it's that, hey, it's cool, dude, kind of, you know, well, teenagers, you know, youths, the youth. Yes, yes. So see. Oh, um, so Braun is also there waiting for him and um, he has a letter with Two, oh, sorry, he's waiting for him at his litter and he has two messages for him. One from Sir ja- um, Jaslyn Ironhand and a summoning from Cersei. Tyrion decides to deal with Ironhand first, making Cersei wait. And he, I like how he had this like comment that anger will make her stupid. And he'd rather deal with a stupid and angry Cersei over a composed and cunning one. <laughs> uh, let's see, Tyrion goes... not wrong. Yeah, no, it's- <laughs> Tyrion goes to the market square inside the gate of the gods and Sir Jacelyn tells him uh, his cousin Cleos Frey is there with word from River Run and it's a letter from Rob Stark and Cleos informs Tyrion of how treacherous the Riverlands are now even under a peace banner his group was attacked twice and Rob's demands are that half for half the realm the release of captives and hostages his father's sword and his sister's Cleos asks Tyrion if he can ask for um, Tyon and William 
Tion, I don't know if he's Tion or Tion. Frey is, uh, I guess, his younger brother. You guys have to see Cleos. (laughs) Yeah, I was. And, you know, it's like, you know, we we get, like, Cleos isn't, like, the best-looking Lannister Frey. And, I mean, he's just kind of like your average dude. But, I mean, like, yeah, he wants his brother back. Yeah. Like okay. that's and it sounds like he kind of went, you know, he kind of had a pretty rough time of it in the Riverlands getting there, and yeah, I mean, it's like there's a certain, you know, as much as Jamie kind of dismisses Cleos, like Cleos went, you know, he was a soldier in the war, got captured, he goes through that battlefield once, and he does it, and then he's going to do it again, and then he's going to do it a third time, and then he dies. Like that's like really, you know. Think about, like, the hardships that he went through, and then when he's just with Jamie and Brienne, like, he had to know this wasn't safe. Yeah, he had I mean, a... He's pretty uh-huh. brave. Yeah, he had a real shit few weeks left in the end of his life there, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And well, he, and remember how he always tried to, like, rein in Jamie and yes. stop him from being such a dick to Brienne? Yeah. Sir, your courtesies. That's all I think Yeah, about. and I mean, he's, you know, like, this is a pretty brave dude, and... You know, as a as a fandom, we should give him a little bit of you know a little bit of regard. I think we should too. You're right. You're right, Guile. <laughs> like it's one of the, he's one of the few decent young gentlemen in this world. <laughs> you know, a woman could do worse than Cleo Spray. <laughs> oh somebody put that in for the description, please. <laughs> Although Jenna would be Wait, just an it? awful mother-in-law. <laughs> Oh, I don't yeah. know. She'd probably be great to get drunk with. I think if she well, likes you. she might actually you. enjoy having a daughter, though, actually, so maybe she'd be okay. Yeah, I think if she likes you, she'd be a lot of fun. <clears throat> so, anyway, J- Tyrion gently tells him no, that he will not be, you know, um, suing for that kind of peace. Um, uh, he says first he has to consult with Cersei in the small council, and then he will be sending Cleos back with their terms. Cleos tells Tyrion it's Catelyn that wants the peace, not Rob. And uh, Tyrion leaves Cleos, making sure he's given food and a place to rest. And so, it, yes, I just I have a question for everyone. Like hearing Tyrion kind of describe the situation, you know, or think through like Rob's situation, it really felt like way more precarious at this point than it does when you're in Cat's point of view. You know, if you think this is before. Um, you know, this is before Theon betrays him. This is before, um, you know, this is before Jamie is released. And, you know, from Tyrion's mind, it just really sounds like they're totally fucked already. Mm. And it was kind of surprising to me because, you know, reading it from Cats, I kind of feel like, oh, you know, they, you know, they have some options. They got a shot. Hmm. And I don't feel that way at all from here. I kind of feel, I kind of feel like, how the hell did Stannis and or Renly lose this thing? Yeah. Yeah, I, there's a lot of trepidation on Tyrion's part. Like, with yeah. the, it's really, you know, he's what he's really up against. Agreed. So, let's see. At the ramparts, we find uh, Sir Jacelyn and a bunch of new recruits being trained. Um, they're hungry men desperate for food, so not, not much in the way of soldiers. Tyrion instructs Jacelyn not to let Cleos or his party inside the city. He does not want any reports going back to Rob Stark. Tyrion also informs Jacelyn that it is that if he is to train the men with Helene's clay pots, first with green paint, then with oil and fire, those who make a mess or burn themselves will not be up to the task of wildfire handling. <laughs> I mean, pretty clever, right? Yeah, clever. Yeah. I could do without the oil and fire training. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if they get burned once, right? <laughs> <laughs> Burn me once. 
Okay. Tyrion <laughs> returns to Slitter and mulls over the situation with Rob Stark and his other enemies, Renly and Stannis, respectively. Um, in the streets, there is a prophet who is preaching to the people. And I kind of really like this little sermon he gives, so I just highlighted it. Corruption, the man cried shrilly. There is the warning. Behold the father's scourge. He pointed at the fuzzy red wound in the sky. From the vantage, the distant castle on the Aegon's high hill was directly behind him, with the comet hanging forebodingly over its towers. A clever choice of stage, Tyrion reflected. We have become swollen, bloated, foul. Brother couples with sister in the bed of kings and the fruit of their incest capers into his palace to the piping of twisted little monkey demon. Highborn ladies fornicate with fools and give birth to monsters. Even the high septon has forgotten the gods. He bathes in scented waters and grows fat on lark and lamprey while his people starve. Pride comes before prayer. Maggots rule our castles and gold is all. But no more. The rotten summer is at an end and with the whoremonger a king is brought low. When the boar did open him, a great stench rose to heaven, and a thousand snakes slid forth from his belly, hissing and biting. He jabbed his bony finger back at the comet in the castle. Here comes the harbinger. harbinger. Cleanse yourself, and gods cry out, lest ye be cleansed. Bathe in the wine of righteousness, or you shall be bathed in fire. Fire! <laughs> Damn! <laughs> oh. I almost felt like, you know, saying that like an evangelist or like one of those preachers. Totally is. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> and it's like such, it, it you know, really does tell you where the series is going to go. And it's just, you know, even someone like Tyrion is trying to ignore this problem. Yeah. Like, just to hope it goes away. He even has a thought, I forget when it is, but he's just like... I don't know if it was uh, Sir Jason or who, but somebody was like, you know, talking about how, you know, all these small folk are being killed in the Riverlands and <laughs> literally Tyrion just goes, well, that's war, you know, just like, mm-hmm. no, no sympathy, really. No. Yeah, like, <laughs> so I was getting a little bit confused reading it is, you know, is the preacher just like a general, like, bring out your dead kind of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the stand type of thing? <laughs> or, you know, is it for a specific religion? I kind of thought he was like one of those guys who... I thought it was a f- fire priest show, or no. Yeah, but like, you know, one of those people in like, you know, what's that park in New York City where they just sort of show up and start ranting? But sort of like on the cusp of kind of popular a wave of what's going to be coming later on. Yeah, well, this is the precursor of the sparrows right here. Yeah, I think Hmm. this is just... But I don't think it's, like, any kind of, like, you know, deputized kind of, you know... Like, not like an official Sanctioned, yeah. I mean, I think it's just sort of like a populist... Oh, God, we really are talking about... (laughs) um, (laughs) You know, populist evangelical kind of thing... That's we're gonna see more of. Yeah. Well, fear. Well, I mean, and it is kind of end times. No, it's just well said. It's a it's a perfect um, little caption of things to come, right? You have people in totally. dire, stressful situation, and these guys move in, and shit gets worse. Well, it's just like you know, whatever pressure is happening on you know Tyrion's class 
is a thousand times worse on on the underclasses. And it's like yeah. you can only leave them in that pressure cooker for so long before eventually they will explode. And, you know, that's what you get in the later books. It's it is interesting that George did kind of weave that in mm-hmm. early. It was just kind of like waiting. <clears throat> Bathe in the wine of righteousness. <laughs> Just reading this oh again. God, that's excellent. For you shall be bathed in fire. Right. So, anyway, the sermon is met with mixed reviews and Tyrion moves on. He gets back to the Tower of Anne and finds Cersei in a rage over his plans to send Marcella to Dorne. She asks him if he imagined that she would just allow him to sell her off like a bag of oats. And his reply is, well, hardly a bag of oats. She's a princess. Some say that is what she was born for. Or did you plan to marry her to Toman? And that (laughs) comment gets him, his wine smacked from his hands. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so uh Tyrion tells her Marcella 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 <laughs> Marcella <The> Canadian version <laughs> is safer in Dorne. He assures Cersei that she would be an honored guest accompanied by Sir Eris Oakheart to keep her safe. And then he's also offended um his sister sorry, his I'm totally wrote these notes really bad. <laughs> Oh, when she doesn't want to be comforted by him, he's offended by it. Right. Thank you. <laughs> and then he also mentions that he offered a seat on the council to... Oh, the sister's killer is um, Oberyn, right? Mm-hmm. Is that who he offers? No, Gregor. This? No, uh, yeah. Gregor, Gregor is the killer, but he offers a yeah. seat to him as well on to, the council. Well, I think he offers a seat to Doran, and Doran gives it to um, Oberyn. Right. And then some other castles on the marshes. And Cersei says he's offered too much and without her consent. And then he says, what would you have offered? The hole between your legs? <laughs> and he he gets, is like in rare form. Just like, like I mean, like, he deserves, I mean, he totally deserves both of these slaps. That's what I said. Oh, yeah. My comment was like, can you blame her? Like, <laughs> no. 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 Totally justified. So Tyrion promises her that, you know, it'll be the last time that she'll slap him. And then she just laughs at him and uh, tells him, Eddard Stark had a piece of paper too. Tyrion pours himself another glass and asks her, how safe do you think Marcella will be in King's Landing if it falls? And um, he says, Renly and Stannis will mount her head beside yours. And then Cersei, shockingly to Tyrion, breaks down and cries. And then that's when he attempts to comfort her and it does not go well. Oh, yeah, that's when. I mean, this is a really, it's an interesting passage. There's, you know, as much as I think Cersei's capable of trying to manipulate Tyrion like this, I mean, I think this is genuine. I think, you know, you can see she really is under pressure. She has no idea what she's doing and she is trying to hold things together. And she's so upset, clearly, that Tywin will not come to King's Landing. Because I think she'd feel secure if he were there. And she's really insecure without him there right and i mean to top it all off she doesn't have jamie with her either right no (laughs) well and yeah he's yeah he's in danger it's not like he's out fighting somewhere you know she doesn't know yeah i don't know that she really cares that much like jamie i love how she's mad at him the bitch yeah she's mad at him for getting captured (laughs) right but i mean i think the point is not that 
I mean, she's alone. She knows she's alone. The things she wants. The things that the people she wants who will, she thinks make her feel more secure, even if they never will, aren't there. So I think that is genuine. I also kind of wonder if at this point, when George wrote this, if he meant her to be quite so crazy later on. Yeah. I don't think so because, I mean, you know, she also doesn't, like, she's pissed at Tyrion at the start of the scene, but everything else is, like, you know, Tyrion's provoking her on purpose. She's not really coming after him at all. She's a little pissed about the Marcella thing, but, I mean, she's not, like, unreasonably pissed. I mean, she should be. Yeah. She's reason, and he's negotiating for her daughter's marriage without saying anything to her. Yeah. That's a legit reason to be pissed off, you know? Like, she's kind of in, you know, as much as I'm not a Cersei fan, she's pretty much in the right here. Yeah, I think maybe it's just the bit you're questioning is the fact that he wrote the bit with her crying, right? Like, why else put that in there but to show some vulnerability and garner sympathy? Like, uh, But I think, you know, with narcissistic personality disorder, this is not an unusual thing, especially when things are not going their way, which is what's happening with her. I don't know that it's... I don't. I don't know that... I feel like throughout class, you're seeing more and more of the Cersei that you will see <clears throat> when you get to feast. But um, yeah, I, I don't know that this is necessarily out of character with the the later Cersei as much as like some a little bit of what happens in a Game of Thrones kind of makes you wonder. But um, I mean, you do feel you know it's like always you know you you you, you can feel bad for Cersei. <laughs> it's okay to feel and bad still, for Cersei once in a while. <laughs> still laugh about. <laughs> Cersei at the same time. <laughs> I mean, it's both. Well, I'm going to admit, I do feel bad for Cersei here, I, concerning her daughter, mostly, I mean. But on the other hand, I mean, it's like, it's funny how quickly... <laughs> Wait a minute, you said her. I could feel sorry for her. What I mean, you no, you can't feel sorry for her, but at the same time, it's like, why didn't she fucking think of this? She should have been thinking about getting both of her younger kids out of King's Landing, for this matter. Well, yeah, or I mean, I mean at it, least sending them to the rock, you know? Anything, really. Yeah, you're right. And I think, again, that plays into her narcissistic personality disorder. She can't mm-hmm. think that far because it doesn't directly concern her. Right? Exactly. So, let's see. Yeah, as mentioned, she is frustrated with all the men in her family. Jamie for getting captured, her father for waiting at Hall, and Tyrion for not freeing Jamie like he promised. Tyrion tells Cersei that Hall is well-situated and their father can march on any army that attacks the city. He also produces a letter for Rob Stark with his terms, and that's proof that, you know, they're winning. Why else would he sue for peace? And Cersei snatches the letter away. Uh, Tyrion senses that she will agree to the Dornish marriage, and he also now knows that Pycelle is not to be trusted. And that'll bring us to the end of that chapter. There is a line from... Oh, go ahead, Kama. I was just going to say, do you really... I mean, he set so much store... By figuring out who the guy who isn't to be trusted is, the who this you know the one he can't quite trust. Yeah. And while that's true, and I admit at the time I read this, the first time I was impressed with this, I'm like, none of these people are to be trusted. I don't really know. Well, what no, he's none of the three of them. Here. <laughs> right. None I mean, of the three of them to be trusted. I, I, the fact that you know he's ruling somebody out. I mean, I'm like, but the other two are still corrupt pieces of shit who will stab you in the back given the first provocation. Yeah. I think his only goal was to find out who was going to Cersei first. Cersei's in Okay. 
Yeah, and I think he told Pascal specifically what he was actually going to do because I think he knew that Pascal would be the one to um, go to Cersei. Like he he never thinks about it like that. He knows Pascal will do it, but I think maybe subconsciously, like that's why he told Pascal his actual plan because he's going to be the one to tell Cersei. What would the, that's a really good point? What would the point of that be, though? Like, what, what would Tyrion's calculations be in her hearing it from Pycelle? Oh, good question. No idea. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think what he probably would have been thinking was, this is what she's most likely to hear, so this may as well be the true thing. Hmm. Like that's yeah. what Devin's saying. That you know, clearly Tyrion suspected that it was going to be Pycelle who'd go well, to her. Yeah, and I mean, realistically. Is there any, I mean, is there any situation where he actually would have patrolled her to Robert Aaron? <laughs> no. You know, like, no, I, of course, yeah, no. there's, I mean, that just given his relationship with Liza, I mean, he, you know, he cares about Marcella. Like, he's not going to, he's not in a million years going to send her off to, to the Vale. Yeah, I and I and I think you know y- you can tell the way that he's sussed out Doran Martell. He is absolutely correct in everything that he has thought about him. You yeah, know? I mean, obviously nobody nobody knows what Arianne may do. <laughs> Tyrion doesn't know either. But or, I mean, as far as how Doran will act, what Arya's Oakheart might do. <laughs> that too. That too. <laughs> I love how I think he picks Arya's Oakheart because he's clearly the best of what remains of the Kingsguard. But man. Yeah, I mean, it's well, yeah, because Barristan's gone. Is Barristan gone at this point? Oh, yeah, yeah he is us. before. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's like him, Aries Oakhart, and Balin Swan are probably the only decent ones left. Hmm. There was a line that Braun had that cracked me up when they were like talking about Lancel and how he thinks he's a man because he's got four hairs on his lip. <laughs> 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 I don't know. There's something so wonderfully comic about Lancel at this, you know, at this stage of the story that, you know, makes what happens to him and, you know, his process that he goes through, like, all the more tragic. And I think back to, like, you know, Eugene Simon, who played him on the show, and just how wonderful he and Tyrion, you know, they really played the comic bits of Lancel so well. (laughs) It was really, um, you know, another actor that maybe was a bit let down by the writing in later seasons. It's kind of interesting to think about, too. Like, Bronn's obviously observing that Lancel has a bit of swagger, and we all know why. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Tyrion probably has, you know, yeah. It's like, God, you know, Tyrion probably doesn't even think about it yet. Hmm. All right. Any parting shots, or shall we go on to mail? This was, like, my favorite of his class chapters so far. Like, it was just... It felt like the storytelling was a bit more straightforward than it's been the last couple of chapters. Mm-hmm. So I actually really enjoyed this chapter. Yeah, this was kind of a fun one in a way. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like on the show. Anytime Cersei and Tyrion are on the page together, it's kind of fun, too. You yeah, know? they have such good chemistry. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like the world building bits, too. Like, it wasn't overwhelmingly, you know, detailed. It was just enough. <laughs> Yeah, although, again, he totally dropped some of this stuff. It's so funny. I always felt like it was just in a Game of Thrones that he kind of threw out some things that he then never wrapped up, but there's stuff here, too. I'm like, did you notice that he called Stafford Lannister? He had Tyrion refer to Stafford as his cousin. 
Oh, yeah, really? At first, yeah, at the first time, and then the second time he calls him his uncle, which he is his uncle. Oh, He's his mom's right. brother. Yeah. I don't. I, I mean, it's just like little details like that. I'm like, geez, why didn't Elio <laughs> catch that? You know, like, come right. on. <laughs> and I like how they're all like, oh, Stafford is, ha- you know, raising his, you know, raising this army, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, like you find out they all think Stafford is just terrible. Oh yeah, <laughs> Jamie's like, oh, he died. Who cares? Yeah, like, that's how, to be lizard. fair. That's how Jamie is with all his cousin uncles. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> all right, mailbag. Give us some mail. We have mail. I'm very excited. Um, okay, so Fion uh, Great King from Tumblr writes, "Hello, ladies. I just finished the feminist episode, and I just wanted to say." That Dornish always read as North African to me. The descriptions and the food all seem North African or maybe Andalusian. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. And it fits into George's Mediterranean crap. Um, I honestly I, don't remember. What did we say? What did we say? <laughs> I think you were saying you were thinking of it more like South Asian. And I was thinking of it more yeah. um, like Middle Eastern, but then I was thinking about the spice level actually, and I was like, you know, Mediterranean food's not that spicy. So it really, <laughs> I mean, but but I think like I think North African food actually is noticeably spicier than um, than you know like Greek or or Lebanese food or something yeah. like that. So maybe oh, you know maybe man. that's actually really on point. I want Lebanese food so bad. That does sound good. Actually, now that you just said that, I was like, God. <laughs> that was well, a if great you're looking episode, for, guys. If you're looking for good Mediterranean food, there's a blog, Mediterranean Dish, that has some good recipes. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but I, I, was, um, I wasn't able to participate, um, but I, I listened to it very eagerly, and um, I loved it. I thought you guys were totally on point. That's me, not the Angry King. Unlike moment. our reply to this comment. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I think think North African would be viable. I mean, it's still, you know, people of color. It's still, you know, it would fit. Well, that fits because I think that's what, isn't that something that George has said that he's, he, I don't know. I can't remember what all he said now. I know he said Mediterranean and sometimes he said Spanish, but then sometimes he said Moorish, which would be North African. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows what the fuck he meant with any of this garbage. I think it's perfectly viable as a theory. I'll be honest. I totally skimmed over the Dornish shit. (laughs) I have no opinion. Well, I think of, you know, like, there's a pretty famous... There's a pretty famous um, drawing of Ariane in bed with Aries O'Cart. And, you know, he's kind of endorsed that image of her a few times. And, um... (laughs) If you know what I'm saying, sorry. (laughs) No, I mean... And it, you know, it's just kind of, like, ethnically... Um, ambiguous, basically. So who the hell knows? And you know, oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. It's... Just yeah, go I mean, in, guess... George. Come on. Yeah. Diversify for fuck's sake. We also have a message, an email from Rachel. Um, I, I guess none of these people knew Devin was going to be guesting tonight, so. It's all high ladies. Occasional gents. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, Rachel writes, hi, uh, hi, ladies. I've been listening to Close the Door for years. It is my favorite podcast, and I look forward to it every week. So I thought it was time that I wrote in and told you all how awesome you are for doing this each Yay. week. I've been enjoying the discussion of the Tyrion chapters. He is such an interesting char- character to analyze. Tyrion started out as a fave when I first read the books, and upon rereads, I've liked him less and less. 
it is interesting how George R. R. Martin has written him, and I wish D and D had not whitewashed him on the show, as it makes him so much more two dimensional than in the books. But I guess you can say that about most of the Game of Thrones characterizations. I've been prompted to write because of the Tyrion Four podcast, and more specifically, the discussion of the Tyri- Sansa Tyrion wedding. Sansa is my favorite character after Brienne and Jamie, and I was so happy to hear you defending her over refusing to kneel at the wedding. So many people on forums give Sansa hate for being shallow, dull, and refusing to fight back. And yet one of the few times she is openly defiant, people are still not happy. If any other Stark sibling had been forced to marry a Lannister at sword point and had shown any kind of pride or defiance, the fandom would be cheering them on. But because it's Sansa and because it's Tyrion, somehow 12-year-old Sansa is in the wrong and is hurting poor grown man Tyrion's feelings. I love you right now, Rachel. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm totally on um, board I get that Rachel right was now. humiliating for Tyrion, and I get why some people don't like Sansa. But still, it's frustrating to see people in fandom attack her over and over for not being nicer to Tyrion and or more grateful to him for being nice to her. His family are holding her hostage have just killed her father and are fighting a war against her family. How happy to be forced to marry a Lannister do people expect her to be? Anyway, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping the chapters where Sansa is married to Tyrion will include some discussion of Sansa's character and arc as well as Tyrion's. I've just been listening to drunk cast. I exercise while I'm oh. listening. <laughs> so how fit I am depends entirely on the length of the podcast each week. <laughs> I was thrilled that this was a nice long episode to work off Christmas dinner. The questions were great and prompted fun <laughs> discussions. And I especially hear and loved hearing one of you ladies give a couple of shout outs to my all time favorite program, Buffy. Thanks very much for podcasting each week. <laughs> what a nice message. That's like, yeah, that was nice. Totally yeah. on board with what Rachel was saying. <laughs> and that drunk cast episode, I actually started to listen to it last week. I remember 15% of that episode. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I it kind of devolves. Again. It devolves into chaos with like about 10 or 15 minutes to go. <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's a steep incline at that Well, just steep decline, I mean, at that point. But that was like my I initial was... reaction when I saw the length of the episode. I'm like, this is almost an hour and a half? <laughs> what? I, I re-listened to and I was like, oh my god, I forgot all of this. Yeah. But, yeah, well, that much alcohol will do that to you. Um, we also, <laughs> I don't know if anyone has anything else to say about this. Just thank you um, to, for the, the yeah, message. That yeah, was awesome. The lovely message. Um, we also got a message from Drea. I just wanted to tell you how much I loved your feminism episode. You are also smart and fearless. Mm. Every viewpoint is valued and you're not afraid to disagree and debate one another. Obviously hearing you do so with a song of ice and fire is what keeps me listening each every week, but it was a treat to hear you frame the discussion against something so important, especially in 2018. Hearing Lot bring the intersectionality was especially satisfying. Thanks for being good people as well as good entertainment. P.S. I am aware that my Twitter is an echo chamber, carefully constructed for my mental health. But I follow <laughs> mine too. But I follow a few <laughs> other Song of Ice and Fire Twitter accounts, and we all seem to be on the same page politically. Are there any hashtag MAGA a Song of Ice and Fire fans out there, or do my Twitter algorithms just magically filter them out? Um, 
Oh, geez. She writes, feel free to skip reading this on air if it's too political, but we've already gone there several but, times. Oh, God. So. <laughs> several times in this episode. <laughs> Not alone. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I kind yes. of mute Are there? Who... Yeah. I follow any of them. I mean, I don't know about Twitter. I was saying Free Folk. Really? Oh, yeah. Many, huh. many, many of the MAGA crowd. Uh, hmm. Who are who are they? I mean, they, it's like? a really it's a really popular show. So I mean, you're going to get a cross section of you know a cross section of people. Is that the Westeros.org people, or is it something else? No, Free Folk yeah. is a Reddit. It's Reddit. a subreddit. Oh yeah, I don't go there, so I don't know. <laughs> and it's a little more, um, you know. There's you know the the regular A Song of Ice and Fire subreddit. I mean, there's a certain level of cerebralism there. Um, you know, like the long essay. I mean, but there's like these, you know, people will post these long, like really thoughtful, really, you know, in many cases, brilliant analyses and stuff. And I mean, nothing like that would ever be posted at Free Folk. Like, <laughs> like, let's just, like, you know, there's some value to stuff that is not like that, but it, you know, like it's night and day. They're just a bunch of meme words. Yes, you know, and I, yeah. Well, let's be frank. They'll never listen to this, so just have right. at no, it. No, they're not, so I don't mind saying it. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's the thing that, it, like, it's a super, you know, it's, that's a super nice message. But, you know, one thing in it is, you know, just, I don't know that there's any bravery in, in, ta- in you know, us talking about stuff. We've kind of created our own little echo chamber, too. And we are our own echo chamber. <laughs> right. And it's, you know... And I, you know, okay, I'm going to go on a little bit of soapbox, but, you know, this is, we're recording this the day after the Golden Globes, and I was thinking, you know, like, the whole, you know, no one, like, yeah, it was kind of cool in a way, because, like, yesterday people are making all these comments, like, oh, there's no women nominated for Best Director, or, hey, E, I'm talking to you, and hey, wouldn't it be nice if you paid your female correspondents the same as your male correspondents? And, like, they weren't actually brave to do that because, like, that kind of comment was normalized by everything everyone else had done. And Mm -hmm. so, like, and that's the part of it that's cool. And, you know, in some ways I feel like the, you know, kind of the fan, like, the the sliver of fandom that we're interacting in, like, we've kind of created that where we can kind of just say shit like this and we're not going to, you know, we might get criticism for you know, f- many, yeah. many factual airs or, or whatnot, but it's not going to be like, you're chicks, you're probably ugly. <laughs> like, well, we've kind of gotten those too. But, <laughs> but you know, not 14 year old virgins giggling too. No. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, but like really very, you know, like really very little. So Friend I mean, fair in your corsets. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'll just say like, no, nobody in that crowd is going to be able to stand to listen to us for very long. So yeah, yeah. we have created our own echo chamber. Like, <laughs> do you remember that one episode where we just like flat out giggled a whole bunch <laughs> like in retort? <laughs> like, yes. no, purposely annoyed. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what's amazing with these. It it hit me um, with the I've listened to you over the years that we've been doing yeah. it this long. We're close to our two hundredth episode. Jeez, shit! I think this might be uh, like one. This might be like one ninety eight or one ninety nine. Actually, uh oh. Are we hey, even, we should totally we do a live drunk stuff. cast. <laughs> oh my God, it's Never again. Oh, yeah, one ninety nine. It's yeah, 199. 
Oh my yeah. gosh, we need to. Oh. Well, okay, we'll have to think of something. All right. Not a not a live drunk cast. No. Please. No God no <laughs> no. We might come up with a tweet. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But anyhow, that's our mail. Okay. So um, we love getting your messages, guys. And if you'd like to send us some, you can at close the door and at gmail.com or close the door and come here.tumblr.com. You can reach us at door podcast. Um, please uh, support us on Patreon. We're plugging that again, right? Because Patreon figured their shit out. <laughs> yes, for now. If you don't wish to, you know, throw money at this podcast, please review or subscribe wherever you listen, because that helps too. And um, I guess we are looking for guests. So if that's something you'd be interested in, um, let us know. And uh, if you have any ideas for our 200th episode, (laughs) you can get them in really quick. (laughs) Yeah, like right now. (laughs) Don't wait. (laughs) All right. So that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. Thank you guys for podcasting. Um, closing the door. Get out.